God is good. Oh, well, we just, I'm just going to pray quickly. Father God, I just thank you for your amazing love. And Father God, I just, you've given me a word, Father God, and I just want to allow you, Father God, to use me, Father God. Speak to the hearts and encourage your people, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for your love in Jesus' name. You know, um, and I always say this all the time, but we worship an amazing God. We do. And every day I'm amazed. Um, I'm amazed by him. I continually see the goodness and the fruits of our amazing God. Even when it don't look like it's going that good, I just still continue to see his goodness. Um, and the message that the Lord has given me today is about um, praying and asking. Sorry. Praying and asking him for the things that we need. Um, because he desires, like Pastor spoke a few weeks ago, we will lack no good thing. And he desires to give us the good things, even more than enough. And on Monday, I was having a little bit of a rough day. And um, I just, I was praying. I prayed in the Spirit a lot. <laughs> it was just, it's just something that I, that the enemy attacks me sometimes on Mondays. Um, and I was like, Lord, I'm just, I'm just keeping my eyes on you because I know you're a good God. So I'm praying and I'm praying and me and the kids sit down and begin our devotional. And it was talking about living a life, total reliance upon God. Total reliance upon God. And, you know, Jesus lived that example for us. Jesus lived an example of a life total reliant on God, his Father. He prayed continually. He sought him continually. Jesus operated as a man dependent upon God. And whenever we have needs, whenever things go wrong, or even when they're going great, one thing that God desires for us is to ask him. When we ask God for things to move in our life, when we ask, it tells him and shows him that we are dependent upon him. It shows a sign of dependency. We have been taught in our society that asking is a sign of weakness. I am one I do not like to ask. If I'm lost, I will find my way out. Jason's like, just ask. I'm like, no. I know where I'm going. I'm a human map. <laughs> But, you know, we live in the society when you can accomplish it yourself, then you go for it. You, you've, you've made that next step. So, so do it yourself. Don't ask anybody. Learn how to do it. Do it good and do it yourself. 
self-reliance. But that is the total opposite of what God desires from us. When we ask for things, asking of him is also a sign of a life of praise. It is, it, is a lot, it is telling him, Lord, we praise you, we trust you, we are dependent upon you. And as I, as I heard that, as I pondered that, I was like, oh, Lord, wow. And I meditated on that, and, and I, just, I just let it soak in. Um, because one thing Jesus said, without me, you will do no good thing. Without him, we can do nothing. Yes, things could be done without him, but they won't last long. It, you know, you see it all around. But without him, we will do no good things. So asking and praying is a total reliance upon our God. And I want to, one thing, unless you know you, God is good for you, You need that revelation because if you don't believe that God is good for you, you won't ask him. You won't rely on him. You won't. You'll rely upon yourself. You'll look at your circumstances and you'll become discouraged. So that is why we continually say and teach how good God is. You need that picture. You need that picture. You need that that seed inside of you. And so I'm going to show you a few couple scriptures. Let's turn to Genesis 2:16. And we all you know, we all know this scripture. And it said then the Lord God commanded him saying, the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. How many people were in the garden? Two. How much supply did God have for two people? Think about that for a moment. An entire garden. I don't know how big the garden was, but I'm sure it was quite large. Because really God's plan was for man to flourish and grow. And, um, you know, the garden was full. And then it goes on in verse 17, But the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it you shall surely die. So look at the supply God gave the two people in the garden, Adam and Eve. Tons, more than enough, more than what they could even probably, I mean, more, ample. They could probably feed the, it was a ton. And he gave that to him, them, before he gave them the no. He gave the supply, and then he gave the direction. He did not give the direction and then the supply. He will always give ample supply. He says that you will lack no good thing. No good thing you will lack. So if you will lack no good thing, can sickness dwell in our body? No. Um, can we go with, are we supposed to go without food? 
No, we will lack no good thing. That is what he says. God is not a stingy God. We, we recognize it just in that one verse. He, he wants to supply more than enough. His heart, his passion, his desire, his being, the very thing that he is, is give. I want to give to my people. I want to supply. And then, let's look at what Satan did. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the, ser- the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So Satan, he's cunning. He is sly. He's a smooth talker. He is... And what did he do? He did not remind them of the supply God gave them. He said, he reminded them of the, ve- the only thing God said no to. That's what he reminded them of. And as I was pondering that, I was like, oh, it is so true. Satan will come to us and tell us what we don't have, what God didn't do, what God said not to do, Because he does not want us to remember that we have more than enough. That he is our supply. And he said we will lack no good thing. Whatever it is we are in need of, he will give. He will give it abundantly. He will give it overflowingly. He will even give us at times things that we're not in need of. He will give us gifts because he loves us. How many of you like to give your wife, your children, your spouse gifts? Your husband? I do. I like to give them. I like to receive them too. But, you know, so Satan will never remind you of the abundance that God promised you. He will remind you of your lack. He will never remind you of the abundance. He will point out the lack. That's what he will do. That is what he is destined to do. He hates us. He does not want us to walk in the goodness, in the promises of God, in the fulfillness of God. He does not want any of that. So he reminds us of the lack. Continually. Let's look at Abraham. I'm kind of, I'll get to, I just want to pull out a few scriptures. I love this. We all have heard this again several times, but we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Genesis 15, 1 through 9. And this is God's covenant with Abraham. And after these things, the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm sorry, his name was Abram at this point. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Ooh, I love that. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And that the heir of my house is da-da-da. Then Abram said, Look, You have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is not my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards the heaven and count the stars. If you are able to number them, he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abram believed, and the Lord counted to him for righteousness. 
Love that word. Love that scripture. And the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur to the Sheldons to give you land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know I will inherit it? And he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon, and offer this. But as I was pondering and looking at scripture, what did Abraham ask for? Abram asked for a child. How many children? One. A heir. What did God promise him? Supply. More than enough. We were at the Creation Science Creation Science Creation Museum last week and we watched a movie and the stars in our in space are vast. And they are discovering more galaxies. But they're vast, ample. Abraham asked for one, and God said, The stars in the sky will be your descendants. Our God is a God of supply. God of supply. And just a side note we will not overpopulate the earth. Hence, God knew in Genesis, that there will be billions upon billions of people. So that's just a little sign out. So don't fear. We're not going to over... God created this earth knowing that there would be a ton of people living in it. So it's good. (laughs) Anyways, I thought of that. I was like, yeah, because a lot of people fear that. But all Abraham, Abram wanted to do was be a father. And look at the supply God had. In Genesis 17, verse 5, it says, No longer shall your name become Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father to many nations. He asked for one son, and God promised him multitude. I'm making you a father to the nations. Supply. Hallelujah. He promised more than he asked, and that is God's desire to give us even more than what we know that we need or more than we ask. God is a God of supply, not of lack. That's what he is. If you're struggling financially, you speak, Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to open up my finances. I will be able to pay my bills because you are a God of supply, not of lack. I will be able to do this. If you need a car, God, you know that I need a car. And I ask in Jesus' name for you to bring me a car. Not a car that don't run, but God, a car that will get me and take me and my family to the places they need to go. If you need a job, if you need a son or a child, whatever it is you need, he said you will lack no good thing. God is a God of supply. Don't let the enemy come at you and remind you what you don't have or what you're lacking in. No. Genesis 15, 10 through 20. I want to I read this. I, I find it very interesting. It says, Now there... Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when 
he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beauty. Uh, oop, I'm on 12. I apologize. I thought I was on 15. <laughs> I was like, that does not go. Anyways, let's try that one again. 10. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two. This was two in the middle and placed them each opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And then the vultures came down on the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will not be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they, they will serve, I will judge afterwards. They shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between these, those places. And on the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates, and blah, blah, blah. I read that, and I'm like, ooh, that kind of is, that's not uplifting. That's kind of... But the Lord said, no, I, I was telling Abraham, Abram what the enemy's plan was. The enemy will cut as I as I've read that, see the enemy is cunning, he is sly, and he will try to get in there and bring doubt so you don't stand on God's promise and God's goodness. All this stuff that God said would happen did happen. But he says, after things happen, you will go out with great possessions. Because remember, the enemy is a liar and a thief. But what he steals, he has to repay. He has to. And so whenever trials and things come against us, whenever the enemy is trying to turn our eyes away from Jesus, know that we have the victory. God's, we will see the victory. God's promised us victory, and so we know victory is there. So don't let him come in. And it's, it's I mean, I do it. Monday, I mean, I'm telling you, I prayed in the spirit most of the day because I was just, I was, I was battling. I was like, no, Lord, you've got this. You're doing it. I was praying. But the enemy will come in and try and distract you and steal from you. But we keep our eyes on Jesus and we pray. We pray. We seek him. We keep our eyes on him. We ask. We ask for what we are in need of. It's a dependence upon God. That is God's heart. Be dependent upon me. Because whenever you rest, I can work. But whenever you work, you put me at rest. And God's like, I don't need a day off. You do. <laughs> you know? And, um, and he... There's something about, yes, God knows our needs. God knows our wants. But there's something about when we ask. 
There's something about, God, I ask you in Jesus' name to heal my body because your word says that by your stripes I am healed and no weapon formed against me shall prosper, that no disease in Psalms 91, that no disease, no peerless pestilence can come near my dwelling. So God, I know the promise and I ask you right now in the name of Jesus to heal me because Jesus is the healer. And there's something about that that moves the heart of God. And I know whenever my kids come to me and they... They ask me for something significant. Now, if, it kind of gets on my nerves when they ask me 24-7, can a friend come over? I'm like, I'm tired. No. But they, they ask me for something significant, even if after I've promised them that they could have this. And they come with a genuine heart and they ask me, yes, I know. Thank you for reminding me. I'll do it. It's just, it's, it's, it's good. It's nice. And so, and that's what God desires. Um, we're going to look at 2 Samuel. We're going to talk about David for a moment. Sorry, I don't have it all written out. I do. I love my Bible. I like paper. I'm not all electronical yet. I love my Bible and I love paper. I have notes everywhere. <laughs> so we're going to look at 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 8. It said, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, and Nathan is the prophet, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb, which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children and ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his own bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And the traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing, because he has no pity on him. And this was where when David took Bathsheba, and killed her husband, Uriah. And Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your keeping, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have also given you much more. All he had to do was ask. If it would not been enough, he'd given him much more. All he had to do was ask. Just ask. God is a good God. In the garden, they had ample supply, more than they needed. 
But Satan brought up the only thing they couldn't have. Satan showed David the only thing you couldn't have. Remember, he's cunning. He'll remind you. He'll show you. Because he does not want us to rest in God, a God of promise. He does not want us to, to remember, to see God, the supply of who he is. Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 20. You can never find Hebrews. Been a Christian for 36 years, I guess. And I can never find Hebrews. I should have copied that scripture down. There it is. <laughs> Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 20 says... For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could not swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For man indeed swear by greater, and an oath of confirmation is for them, an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability immutable of his counsel confirmed by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie that we may have strong consolation who have fled from refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us this hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast in which enters the present behind the veil Presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. God cannot lie. He swore by no other greater name than himself. And he says, I will bless you. I will multiply you. We have Jesus. He gave his son. God cannot lie. He says you will lack no good thing. I promise you, you will not lack no good thing. It might not look like what you thought. Because we're, we're human. It's sometimes hard for us to think outside the box. God sees a big picture. But he says you will lack no good thing. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you is what God says. And if God says it, I believe it. And I want to stand on it. Come thick or thin, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust. Because God said he cannot lie. It says it here in, in Hebrews. That scripture, I read it. can't find it. But I cannot lie. I will bless you. Multiply. I will multiply you. I swear by my name, God said. Hallelujah. I don't know what that, that does for you, but it's good. We are heirs. We are the heirs. When we believed in Jesus, we became the heirs of a God who could not lie. We became the heirs of the promise through Jesus. The promise to Abraham. We became the heirs. We became that. It is ours. 
Everything that Adam gave away, I've said this before, everything that Adam gave away whenever he took that bite, we, get, we got back when Jesus took the cross. Adam took from a tree, Jesus laid on a tree. Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because he was faithful who had promised. She bore a child at 90 years old, somewhere around there, because he was faithful who had promised. God is a God of promise. He is a good God who will over answer prayers. So pray. Pray. Now, you might ask for something and you don't receive it. We have to remember God knows what we are in need of. He will not give us something that's not good for us. So teens, young people, if you ask for, oh, God, please let that good-looking guy like me or that beautiful girl like me, if it's not good for you, God can't, God is not a genie. He'll go, boom, hey, you like that? No. Probably it's not going to happen, first of all, because there is time for everything. You know, and, and he knows what's good for you. And so just rest assured. He has your spouse all taken care of. Don't try and make it happen. Rest. So, but, you know, let's say you ask for something. Us as adults. You know, and you, and you don't see it. Just, just know. God promised Abraham his descendants greater than the stars. They didn't all come from Sarah's womb. And his son didn't come immediately. But it will be there. He will supply. And it might not look, it might not taste, it might not feel like the way you thought. But he will. God is a God of promise. And he cannot lie. What are you in need of? Pray. Ask. We need to pray. We need to live a life of prayer. Jesus lived a life of prayer. He prayed. That needs to be our lifestyle. That needs to be, it says, it says um, I have that scripture. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Pray without ceasing. Pray. If, you, if you're filled with the Spirit, have the prayer, tongue, prayer language tongues, pray in the Spirit continually. I, I pray in my brain whenever I can't have it come out of my mouth. If I'm, And especially if I have a day like last Monday was, Oh, I'm going to tell you about praying in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, praying in tongues. It is the greatest gift you'll ever walk in. I am biased towards it. How many of you could use $100,000? Yeah. 
If I had $100,000 I could give everybody, I would do it. I'm not lying. I love to give. Love it. It's fun. I love to give. It's even better given under the new covenant of grace because you know that how much you've been given and you won't lack. It, it's just, it's, it's amazing. But I seriously, if I had $100,000 for everybody, I would give it. If I was a multimillionaire and I could, I would. Because people, people would need it. I mean, it's a need. Hey, it could pay off a home. You know, I mean, if I had $100 I could give everybody, I would do it. $100, I would. If I had to, I don't, you know, whatever it might be. But I'm thinking, the praying in the Spirit, I believe, is greater than any money you could ever need. And I'm telling you guys, it is a gift that keeps on giving. It is a gift because whenever you know not what you need, you that utterance that comes up from your belly, that utterance, praying from there, goes forth. And God knows. Monday I did not know what I needed, but I knew I needed something that wasn't what I was getting. <laughs> and I just began to pray in the Spirit. And this weight, just as I began to pray, and the more I prayed, and the more I prayed in the Spirit, and it just lifted. I watched a while back a study they did on praying in the Spirit. And I've shared this before. Um, but whenever, whenever you pray in the natural, whenever you speak, whenever you're singing, whatever it is, this thing in your brain right up here is in action. It's working. Front to lobial tube or whatever, it's, it's working. It's continually working. When I, I'm talking right now, it's working. It's doing what it needs to be doing. Whenever I begin to do this, they did a study, and that stops. That that frontal lobio tube, whatever it is, that works when you speak, when you pray, it completely goes into rest. They couldn't understand it, but they sent people into MRI tubes and did brain scans as people was praying and as people was praying in the spirit. It is a wonderful, that's just a side note, a little token, it is a wonderful deal. And it brings such a rest because it's hard to rest. It's hard to rest whenever you see things that need to be done. It's hard to rest whenever you see that I have an electric bill due and I have no clue how to pay it. It's hard to rest. It's hard. Even when you pray, it's hard to rest. But as you begin to pray in the Spirit, such a rest and such a peace comes over you that it, I, can't, I can't even explain it. It says in Matthew, 1 Kings, let's go to 1 Kings, verse 9, let's get back on. If I can find 1 Kings now. Verse 9, where am I at now? Okay, 9, verse 2 and 3. And the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gideon, Gibeon. 
And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer. I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. And I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my ears will be there perpetually. God heard his prayer. God hears your prayer and your supplication. He hears. He hears. And he wants to supply. When he had, when he fed the 5,000, he gave them as much as they would take. So God is not a stingy God. He's not just going to give you what he thinks you need or a little bit, but he gave them as much as they would take. And there were still 12 baskets left over. Gosh, he's a God of supply. He's a God that will supply all your needs. He said, you lack no good thing. And I keep on saying that over and over again because I hold that in my heart. I rely on that. I say it. I remind myself, I will lack no good thing. We will lack no good thing. God, you are my supply. And whatever you ask, Matthew 21, verse 22, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believe and you will receive. Matthew 21, verse 22, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believe and you will receive. Asking is a dependence and reliance upon God. He desires. No, you might not see it at that moment, but he says you will see. He don't say when, but he says you will see. And if he said it, he will. you will see it. I've seen it over and over again. You might not receive it at that moment, but I promise you it will come forth. Stand. Keep on asking. Keep on praying. Keep on standing. Keep on proclaiming. Keep on. Keep on. And one day you will see the fruition of it. Sometimes it happens in a moment. Sometimes it takes a while because there is something that God is building within his people. There is a foundation that is being built. And if it is not built correctly, the first wave that comes will wash it away. But as he builds it, as he builds that faith, come wave, come hurricane, come hell, come high water, you will stand. That is why it takes time. That is why it takes a season because God is doing something in the people. If it happened overnight, it will fall over. But as it grows, as it builds, you will stand and you will stand strong because God cannot lie. And that is what his word says and that is what I believe and that's what we stand on. God is good. Don't become wavered. Don't become disillusioned. But stand and look at Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And you'll walk. You'll stand. You'll proclaim. And the world will see his goodness. The world will see. They will see it. I believe it wholeheartedly. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. The picture that I know that God has for us. And that God has for this church I cannot wait, but I know it's timely. If it happened too fast, we couldn't handle it. If it's not built right, it'll fall. He's good. He's so good. Stand. Stand. Ask. Rest. Believe. Believe. 
Psalms 25, verse 1 through 3, and this is closing. 125, sorry. And those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. For the specter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. And who are we? We are the righteous. We are the righteous. We trust in the Lord. And we cannot be moved. If you need something, ask for it. Rest in him. If he tells you no, that just means he's got something way better. I'm telling you, I look back in my teenage years and I say, thank you, Lord, for what I cried over. Thank you for the tears because you knew better than I. You know, because I got the greatest one for my book. I love you, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, Satan is a liar and a thief. He is a liar and a thief, roaring around, seeking. He is cunning and will always try to get you to look away from God and his promises. Always trying to get you to doubt God's goodness. But God cannot, will not lie. He sent his son to mark that, to proclaim that, to let that be the truth that we hang on to. That whosoever believes will not perish. When all we see is our lack, that will be our pursuit. But when we see the abundance of God's promise and rest in him, that will be our reward. And what greater reward? What greater reward? You know, everybody just bow your heads. Thank you, Lord. God said, and you shall freely eat. God had supply. He has supply. And today he is saying, freely eat. Ask. Ask of my abundance. Ask. He says, I will fill you overflowing. And that cup there in the Greek is actually, the Greek, it's, it actually means a vat, you know, a big old, one of those big old oil containers that, I don't know if you've ever been to Oklahoma, but you see them, they, they preserve oil, they're huge, they're ginormous, and they preserve like cooking oil. He said, I will fill your vat with overflowing, not just a cup. God's thinking big. God said, you shall freely eat. So today, just receive. Maybe you're here today and 
you're saying, I don't know that God. I don't know that good God that you're talking about because really all that I've had in my life is a bunch of crap. I've lost this. I mean, I'm just I'm being real. I don't I don't know that good God. Well, today you can know him. He's a good God. He don't see. He wants to pour out his goodness upon you. And he says, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe in my son, Jesus. So today, maybe you're here, and you want to know and you want to understand this good God. Don't wait. Now is the time. If we can all stand Maybe, Donovan, can you come play? Maybe you've, you do know God, but you have not seen his goodness in your life. All you've seen are the waves and the torment and whatever, the hurts and the pains. But today, God wants to show you his goodness. God wants to show you his goodness. He is for you. He paid. He gave his one and only son so that we could have everlasting life, so we can walk in peace and rest, so we can have all that we need and not lack one good thing, so we can have health and wholeness. And I believe that we are coming to a season that God is showing his goodness and favor like no other time. We have learned, we've been hearing, and we have been, been implanted with the gospel of grace, who Jesus is, a God of grace, a God of love, a God of mercy. And that has been planted, it's been sowed in the ground. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, but today you're going to begin to see the harvest, says the Lord. I have been doing the work, I have tilled it, I have sowed it, I have watered it. And now you're going to begin to see the sprouts come forth. And you're going to begin to see my goodness like you've never seen it before because you asked. And you will lack no good thing.